everybody, Scott Burnside back for the Thursday morning edition of Two Man Advantage. And Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final in the books. Pretty momentous evening. Steven Stamkos comes on the ice, scores, then doesn't come back on. Uh, All kinds of stuff going on. And I can't wait to chat with our guest, Emily Kaplan of ESPN. And Emily, before we get to game three and all the stuff that's going on i i I'm, i love your journey you you like our earlier guest on this podcast steve wino quarantining i mean talk about taking one for the team to actually get into rogers arena and, and cover the stanley cup final what was your experience like quarantining in edmonton you weren't in a basement like our friend wino right like you actually had windows <laughs> I had windows. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. I feel like it is a privilege to be one of the men on the two-man advantages. Um, yeah, I, what I've been telling everyone is uh, I've been living in a studio apartment in Chicago for the last six months, so I feel like I've been preparing for this moment of having to do 14-day quarantine. But I made a series of great decisions, Scott. I, I stayed in an Airbnb with many windows, including a backyard, Ooh, um, nice. a kitchen. Uh, I got some great Alberta produce delivered to me. I got to cook dinners and watch hockey. So, honestly, it was not a bad 14 days. No, uh, very good. Well, it's and uh, I know Steve and I talked about any special delivery that you that you latched on to while you were there. I, I had failed to ask Steve this, but can you get Bloody Caesars delivered to your house if you're in quarantine? I'm just curious. Uh, you cannot, but let it be known. I've got some of your colleagues here, including Arpin Basu, and out of quarantine, he did order a, a, um, one of your favorite drinks, the Clamato juice Ooh, nastiness nice. of a Caesar, <laughs> whatever that is. So, um, yeah, Sherbrooke Liquor, though, that's the local liquor store, and they were so kind to me. They sent me local beers, threw in a couple nice. extra. That, that's my one shout out. Good stuff. Good and and before we get to the actual hockey, I have to ask you, you know, as as a former ESPN guy myself, I, I don't know, like during the pause and all that's happened. My guess is you aren't getting to Bristol all that often. But when was the last time you were there? And more importantly, when was the last time you were at Cadillac Ranch? <laughs> uh, great questions. <laughs> um, honestly, I cannot remember the last time I was at Bristol. My brain is bubble brain right now all i can think of is march 12th on um it was probably the trade deadline that happened this year apparently allegedly yes um and cadillac ranch again sad cannot remember <laughs> well i i just remember so for, for those who've never been to bristol which is a fine small town and of course dominated by the espn campus and that was we used to go in pretty much just for trade deadline and we always stayed at the residency and, and across the back fence and in fact uh, Emily, if you ever asked Katie Strang, one point we had to hoist Katie over yeah. the fence uh, through a snowbank because that was the most direct route to Cadillac Ranch. And it's just it, it, out in the middle of nowhere. It's this giant country and western bar and this huge line dancing arena. And I swear, a mechanical bull. And one of my favorite Cadillac Ranch uh, memories is sitting at the bar with Pierre Lebrun and, and of course Pierre is breaking trades and he broke a trade and I wish I could remember now who it was it was involved a Buffalo Sabre if I'm not mistaken and he's tweeting it out from Cadillac Ranch and the joke was are you actually on the bull while you're breaking this trade <laughs> and, and our boss Joy, Joy Russo sent a very firm text to Pierre and I which was stop texting from Cadillac Ranch and that so that's one of my favorite memories of 
Cadillac Ranch. It's, it was part of the ESPN experience for me. So That's epic. And I am so embarrassed to say this, but I had no idea what Cadillac Ranch was when you were first talking about it. I was just being <laughs> kind. They opened a new uh, Marriott in Southington, and that's usually where we pal around. So, God, I just... I have so much FOMO for the times that you guys were on ESPN because it was such a great crew and you guys just work so well together and I would have loved the opportunity to work with you. So I also would have loved the opportunity to go to Cadillac Ranch with you. (laughs) Someday, perhaps, Emily. I don't know what would take a hockey crew through Bristol, but who knows? Maybe someday uh, we will all get to Cadillac Ranch. But uh, let's move on to Game 3, Stanley Cup Final. I, I'm, what, what was that moment like? Because it was exciting even following it on social media and watching it on, on NBC, of course, or NBC Sports Network, I guess. But that, you know, the moment where not only does Steven Stamkos come out to take the warm-up, but you, you realize he's going to be in the lineup. And it took, what was it? it, was sort of three or four shifts in before he got on, but obviously scoring a goal on his first shot after, I think Chris Johnson wrote this, 210 days since his last NHL game or whatever it was. What was what was that moment like? Is there a way to have a vibe or a sense of, of the moment in an empty arena when something like that happens? Yeah, it, it's eerie. Um, the experience of being at the arena is really different. Um, you know, you've heard a lot of guys talk about it. It's hard to create your own energy. Um, you know, usually you're you're feeding off of the crowd or the momentum of the building, um, and these guys have to create it for themselves. And so when Steven Samkos is out there for warm-ups or in the lineup, like those are typically moments where you would get the juice from everybody around you. And, you know, I was feeling it personally because this is an incredible storyline. Like if we just take a step back and forget about the pandemic and forget about the bubble, this is a guy that has been the captain of this team for nearly a decade now, um, you know, has has seen the most playoff wins, has never got a Stanley Cup. His team is finally getting it done. He wasn't a part of it. He comes back maybe just for three minutes and scores on his first shot. Like, that's wild. And I don't know if we're ever going to see him again in this series. Um, so I was feeling it personally. Um, you could see the Tampa Bay bench, and I think that's the only unique thing. Um, the energy that they had after he scored, you could really feel it from where I was sitting just because there is no crowd noise. Um, but other than that, um, it was just a little disappointing that that was a moment that had to happen without fans in the building. Yeah, and I, I thought it was kind of cool and um, I, maybe sad too, I'm not sure, but when Stephen came back and and wasn't playing anymore, wasn't taking shifts, but was on the bench and part of that process. And, you know, we've seen it with other players who, you know, have been injured in games. I think Zidane Chara came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, that must have been interesting too, because I assume, you know, for the group of you who are physically in the arena and you're sort of keeping an eye, okay, is he... Is that it? Is he coming back on? Or what that was like to see that he was present but not present sort of thing. Yeah, I was almost wondering internally, like, did they take away a piece of his equipment so he wasn't tempted just to take a shift? Because, like, if I'm him and I'm just sitting on the bench, I'm like, get me out there, coach. Um, but, yeah, you know what? It, it, it was interesting. But after the game, um, you know, obviously we had our eyes glued to him and just – Seeing him get back on the ice to celebrate when they all go congratulate Vasilevsky after the win, um, and then watching him in that post-game press conference, like he was giddy. It was yeah. it was palpable of how much this meant to him. Like he said, it was a dream come true. Like think about that. Um, so those are the moments that I think I'm going to remember the most from Game Three. 
Yeah. Do you, what do you take away from something? This is two games in a row now where, you know, Dallas has uh, sort of fumbled its way into a, a big deficit. Now they rebounded so well in, in game two and really, you know, made a compelling uh, run of it as, as they closed to within 3-2 after giving up three in the first period. But it felt to me a little bit different, uh, at least from remotely in on my couch here in Georgia, that, um, you know, there was no coming back there there was nothing really in doubt about this game and I wonder if you have a sense from and again being there you know is there a, a sense of the the changing of the tide that this is really how this series is going to go or, or do you see especially with back-to-back games Friday and Saturday everything's still up in the air do you still think that this is a series that's there for the taking if Dallas can you know stop playing crummy at the start of games <laughs> I want to say that this is the turning point of the series just because, gosh, that would make such a great storyline, right? The injured captain comes back for three minutes, scores on his first shot, never seen again, team wins the series after that. Um, But knowing what we know about the Dallas Stars in these playoffs, the fact that they have improved in every series that they've played in, um, they've surprised a lot of teams by how big and how heavy they are. The fact that Jamie Benn is playing what I believe to be the best hockey of his Dallas Stars career, like I I don't think they're done. And I really do think that the back-to-back is a game changer. And as much as we've been talking about Steven Stamkos, will here, won't he, I I think the storyline of the weekend is they're going to give Ben Bishop a start, aren't they? And he clearly rushed himself back earlier this postseason. How healthy is he? Can he give his team a boost by getting one of the starts in the back-to-back, or will it be detrimental to them? I I just I you know it's so funny we you know it's a topic of conversation even in our house right mm-hmm. okay so what do you do with those like and this is no disrespect to Curtis McElhaney none at all but he's not getting I, in <laughs> he's not playing one of those games right like no. Vasilevsky's the guy and I would have said up until last night and I don't think Anton Hudobin I, I'm not faulting him at all right team Mm-mm. you know stupid penalties they you know. It's not Anton Hudobin's fault, but I'm with you. I'm like, oh, if Ben Bishop, can he go? And then do you uh, do you have to go with him? And so let me ask it as a question. If you're Rick Bonus and Jeff Reese, one of the great goaltending coaches of the NHL, veteran guy, if Ben Bishop is ready to go Friday, do you use him Friday in game four? Or do you go back to Hudobin in four and then use Bishop in five? What what's What's the strategy on that, do you think? Or do you go Jake Ottinger, who got to go in when Kudobin <laughs> oh, yeah, got pulled? Sorry. sorry, Jake Ottinger doesn't even come into my my equation. But yes, there's Jake Ottinger, who's actually had now a couple of mop-up moments. So wouldn't be completely, it'd be like 9 out of 10 into the fire, but maybe not a full 10 out of 10. Uh-oh, so what? if you're Rick Bonus, how do you deploy your goaltenders Friday, Saturday, down 2-1 in the series? Right. And poor Jake, who gets it in the third period and only gets like four shots. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, yesterday was the first day that we were able to see Dallas Stars morning skate. We've only been able to see morning skates in the final and only for home teams. And Ben Bishop was out there, which leads me to believe that he's getting close. I think I start Kadobin in the first game of the back-to-back see how he does, talk to him after. He's probably going to say, I'm fine, I can go in. Um, But depending on how that game goes, then you've got the option of playing Ben Bishop in the second of the back-to-back. And I think that's how I'd approach it. Okay, so you're pushing your chips all in. See, I maybe I'm too timid, but see, I might go the other way. Because what if you go to Hudobin 
And if you tie the series, okay, now you're in a best of three. Maybe mm-hmm. you revisit it. But if you go in and you lose, now you're down 3-1. Do you want – and you alluded to it. I mean, last time Ben Bishop played, which was clearly probably not – he probably shouldn't have played. It was a bit too soon for him to come back. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. I, I should have looked up Seth. I think he gave up five, if I'm not mistaken. It just uh, wasn't pretty. That's all we needed. to yeah, know. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know. Like, it's just – I mean, that's to me part of the great, and I know the, it's not ideal for the players, but to me that's a, one of the great dynamics about the way the schedule is set up in the bubble with the back-to-backs. You really, you know, if you're Rick Bonus, man, these are not easy decisions to cipher through at this stage of the Stanley Cup final. They're really not, and we're at the point now where there's a lot of guys dealing with injuries. Like, I'm pretty convinced that Tyler Sagan is dealing with something, and that's why okay. he hasn't been... Um, as productive offensively as we'd expect from him. Um, I also wonder, though, like just going back to Stamkos, um, I, I think there was an assumption when he didn't go back in the second and third period, you know what, this is it for him. Like he's not getting back in these final. Um, but what if he can? And, and, and it, would he be able to play in a back-to-back? You know, John Cooper said yesterday that if a guy is in the lineup, that means he's ready to go. There's no limitations. They don't believe in specialization of, you know, just putting him out there on the power play and that's it, just to stand there and shoot. Um, but maybe you consider it. Well, and maybe given the game was pretty much out of hand, you know, early mm-hmm. in the second period, I mean, maybe John Cooper is already thinking ahead to the back-to-backs and saying, well, wait a minute, Stammer, just sit here, enjoy the view, um, mm-hmm. and come back and play Friday. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have to believe that he was – that there was a physical reason he didn't take shifts after the, you know, after the three minutes and change that he played. But I, I think you're right because of the schedule's – uh, anomalies, if, if that's a way to describe it, you have to consider everything. And maybe John Cooper's already saying, listen, we want to finish this off Saturday night. Stephen, just bide your time and, and come back Friday and we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I don't know either. But what I will say is this series has been a great one for just coaching, like watching both Rick Bonus um, and John Cooper, who I believe are both kind of masters at making adjustments and rallying their troops um, do that throughout this entire series. Like, that's a treat to watch, too. Yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, Emily, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I want to ask you about a terrific piece that uh, everyone should be reading about life in the bubble, uh, both in Toronto and Edmonton. And it's maybe not exactly uh, how it was billed in the bubble brochures that came out. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to chatting with you about that. But don't go away. We'll be back after a brief break. Every sports story that matters. That's the athletic way. And now you can join for just $1 or £1 a month. Get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, and expert analysis on what's sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. We know this is a fact. The NHL playoffs almost completed in the Edmonton bubble. Stanley Cup final. Dallas, Tampa. A draft, October 6th and 7th. Free agency a couple of days after that. You don't want to miss any of it. So subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage.com 
Receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. And we hope to see you there. Emily, I, I just I, – I read – actually, I went over it several times because there was so much really cool stuff in your piece uh, talking to – I want to say nine – Different players, right? Five in the West, four in the East. Am I remembering this correctly? Off You've the top got of it, head? right? Yes. Um, and uh, anonymous players who spoke to you um, anonymously so they could be candid about what life was like in the bubble. And I, I just thought you covered so much ground that was fascinating. And really, uh, my sense was the players were very candid with you about, you know, geez, there, there were, you know, there was lots to like and, you know, there were. You know, it was definitely a safe environment, uh, all those kinds of things. But also, I thought they were really candid with you about things that maybe had been uh, over-promised and under-delivered. And I, I wondered what your, A, when you were gathering the material for this, whether you were surprised by some of the things that players said or their um, their candor in talking to you, or what was it like to put that together? Because it was, it was a tremendous piece. Well, thank you so much for those kind words. Yeah. Worked on it with Greg Wyshynski and, you know, I reached out to a bunch of guys and I, I think you, when I write a story, I know if it's like a good topic or a correct topic when guys want to talk about it. Like I think right. back to my story about uh, NHL players have big butts, they have a hard time finding jeans that fit. Um, when I was working on that story, everyone wanted to talk about it because it's yeah. something that affected them and that, you know, was real in the <laughs> hockey world. And so when I was reaching out to guys for this story, um, you know, and I reached out to a lot of guys that, that I didn't really have the strongest relationship with, I knew, but like, you know, wouldn't typically have these type of conversations with. And I was surprised by how willing they were to talk. And, you know, when we were on the phone chatting and I ended up talking with eight guys total. And, you know, when I was texting them um, the next day um, after the story came out, the common thing was we want this to be constructive. Um, you know, if these guys have to do a bubble again, if there's any conversation about it, they want this out there of what they had to experience, um, a lot behind the scenes, a lot that affected their mental health, with the hopes that, you know what, if we have to do this again, we can do some things better. I thought, you know, and to me, I, I took that away from that piece, that this wasn't the piece that was slamming the NHLPA or the NHL mm-hmm. or, but I, I did take it. I was like, okay, I wonder if they had to do it again. And of course... You know, we we know so we little know. about, yeah, 2021, who knows? Maybe there will be a series of mini bubbles across the United States. Who who knows? But to me, that would be, I, I think there would be a lot of learning in reading that piece because maybe it's something that players on a call or maybe they wouldn't feel comfortable saying, but this gave them a vehicle to say, well, wait a minute, when you said you were going to do this, and, you know, I love the fly fishing one. I'd mm-hmm. like to talk to anyone who went fly fishing because that <laughs> it didn't seem like it was a real option. I, I think that must be something, I, I would hope that the league and the PA wouldn't be too thin-skinned, like that they would take that, the value in it that, that is there in terms of, uh, of a learning experience. I, I would hope that would be the case. I'd hope so too. And you know, in the story, the fly fishing was the punchline, right? These guys were given brochures and there was a picture of a man in mountains fly fishing and all the guys are like, the mountains aren't even four hours from here. Like, where are you even getting this? Um, The weed gummies has got a little bit of traction. The fact that that was guys go to coping mechanism of just 
recovering. And, you know, I don't know if it was all the guys, but some guys were like, hey, if I'm going to play this game, this is going to be the best way for me to fall asleep. I'm isolated. I'm stressed. I'm going to get some legal weed gummies in Edmonton. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Um, but my biggest takeaway and what I believe to be the player's biggest gripe through all of this was the way the family's situation was handled, where they believed um, that they were on the same page, that the NHL and NHLPA agreed, your families can come for the conference finals. And the players understand there was um, an element out of control with the Canadian government, of the Canadian government not wanting to budge from this 14-day federal quarantine. But what they believed is that the NHL and NHLPA weren't transparent through the process, kept moving the goalposts through the process, and most disappointingly, um, they felt like they didn't really fight for them. And I think when this article coming out and in the conversations about a potential bubble next time, the players are going to say strong and clear, this is something that is non-negotiable. You don't understand how important it is for us not to be ripped away from our families and our loved ones and miss all of these life milestones by playing in an isolation in a bubble. Like this is something that's going to have to be figured out. So that really was my biggest takeaway, um, you know, just talking to guys in, in more casual settings about their experience in the bubble. So and I I just know going back to when we were first going through the building blocks of the, you know, the return to play committee negotiating, you know, a new CBA plus all the protocols of what this would look like. My sense that that was kind of a deal breaker, that that the the idea of. At some point, if you were one of the final four teams, that this carrot of having, you know, and I don't know whether it was a sense of, you know, all everybody's family can come. It's going to be like this. You know, it's 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 going to happen. Um, but my sense was that was that was a pretty much a deal breaker, that that was an important part for those teams that would stay the longest, that this would happen for them. And I wonder, you know, if you went back and if they knew what they knew now, maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't come together the way it did. I don't know. Is that, do you think that's overstating it? No, I don't. Just knowing how important this was to these guys. And now we're at the stage where it's really sad. The Lightning have no family members here. The Dallas Stars, firstly, this is so dystopian. For like a week, there was only one baby and one wife in the bubble. <laughs> um, like the Dowlings, who are Justin Dowling's yeah. wife and baby. Like, yeah. that's wild. Um, and they ended up sending, it's a, I believe it's eight family members. Half of them are Sagans, by the way, but they're all Canadians living in Canada. Um, but for guys, it's their childhood dream to win the yeah. cup and skating on the ice. And a staple of that is sharing it with your family. And we've always seen the pictures of the guy holding up his baby on the ice, kissing his wife or girlfriend. It's this really sweet, emotional moment. And it's really sad that we're not going to get that this year. So I don't think you're overstanding it at all that – if they knew this going in, it would have been a different conversation. That's, I mean, to me, I, you know, as we moved along and it became clear that they were actually going to be able to pull this off and, and award a Stanley Cup. That's the thing that I've been wondering about maybe the most is what is that going to look like? Because, Emily, we've both been on the ice, and I think that's one of the great things the NHL has done in recent years is, you know, on when, when the Stanley Cup is awarded, there's a period of time they pass the cup around and then the media and the family comes onto the ice and, and shares that that space in that moment. And you're right. I mean, just, you know, that's that's one of my favorite days of the year is when you're on there and you see the grandparents and the moms and dads and all of those, 
you know, all those people that are so important sharing in that moment. And it's going to be, it's going to be weird. And if it happens Saturday or Monday or Wednesday, it that's going to be weird. And I wonder if you, because you're there and you're watching now, do you have a sense of what that, that's going to be like? That's going to be crazy. It is going to be crazy, you know, and I fully expect for the cup to get on the ice um, and the guys to be able to celebrate it, but it's going to be like a third of the people, a fourth of the people that we're used to seeing in that setting. And then going forward after that, I know Pierre Lebrun has written about it for The Athletic. Um, but what happens with the cup? Another staple is guys being able to bring it to their hometown and their hometowns often thousands of miles away across borders and different continents and countries um, and share that moment with the people who helped their careers get started and, and were big parts of their behind the scenes. Like they might not get that either. The cup might just stay in, in either Dallas or Tampa Bay and that's where everyone gets a day with it. So it's definitely an unusual year. Um, these guys have made so many sacrifices. Um, but I think in the end, all of them will say, um, for the winning team, it was worth it for the chance to hoist that cup. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, all right, I'm going to let you go. I'm Before I do, though, I'm just curious. We talk, you know, off-season, you know, for 29 of the 31 teams, it's already the off-season. What, what's, is, there, is there one storyline, one thing that you are especially looking forward to once you get – clear of your hotel room in Edmonton and return to your studio apartment in Chicago. Is there <laughs> one storyline that you're like, okay, I wonder what's going to happen to Alex Petrangelo or Marc-Andre Fleury? What's, is, what's the one storyline you're looking forward to following as we move pell-mell into a draft virtually and then free agency a couple of days after that? In general, free agency, free agency is really interesting to me this year. Just, you know, the chatter amongst people that the middle class might just disappear in hockey, especially this year. And I'm just curious to see how the economics shake out there. Um, but the one I, I can't get my head around is the goalie carousel. Um, you know, you mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury. He's just one of about a dozen goalies who might switch teams and and we might see so many new faces. And in the NHL, having two capable goalies has never been more important. So I do think there is a market for these guys, but rarely have we seen this quality or caliber of goalies available at one time. So um, that's the one thing that I think is going to drive my October. All right. I just made a note to myself. have to get to uh, Bristol, Connecticut. Got to figure <laughs> out uh, a chance where we can all convene at Cadillac Ranch. Maybe yeah, I will say all the times that we went there, we, we were there a few times. I never once line danced, but did see line dancing and uh, also did have a waitress one night during a uh, post-trade uh, deadline dinner who stopped serving us in the middle of our <gasps> dinner to go and sing karaoke uh, oh. in the bar. So <laughs> I that thought was she was cutting cool. you off. No, no. Well, no, that wasn't until later, maybe. But no, left to sing karaoke in the middle of the uh, of dinner. So, you know, we'll have to make. Okay, I would love that. And I honestly feel like it wouldn't be appropriate for me to go without you. So I will hold (laughs) out. All right. Sounds good. Emily Kaplan, thank you for hanging out with us. And you should always follow Emily and her work at ESPN.com and uh, follow her on Twitter at Emily M. Kaplan almost missed the M in there. So very good. At Emily There are M. so many Emily Kaplans in the world. It is wild, but it was lovely to talk to you, Scott. I appreciate you having me. Uh, good fun. I look forward to uh, catching up in a uh, rink uh, at a socially safe distance sometime <laughs> sooner than later. But thanks for hanging out, Emily. It was great. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. All right. That was tremendous. And that will 
bring us nicely to the end of Thursday's two-man advantage edition. Um, yesterday, in case you haven't had a chance to listen to, Pierre Lebrun and I chatted with Michael Hirschfeld, the executive director of the NHL Coaches Association. It was so much fun to talk to Michael. You should give it a listen. Lots of great stories and, and information about just the work that's being done by the Association for Coaches and by coaches to broaden the appeal of the game and, and some of the good work that they're doing. So give that a listen. You should check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, and you should be, uh, you should subscribe now and save. Go to theathletic.com slash two man advantage where you can receive an all access subscription for just $1 a month. That's almost nothing. And we'll be back to close out the week Friday morning. Our good pal. Mark Spector will be joining us on Two Man Advantage, senior hockey columnist at sportsnet.ca. So don't miss that. We will return to close out the week tomorrow morning.